Welcome to the Out of Bounds Sports Podcast. Come with us, Out of Bounds, as we discuss and debate the latest topics in the world of sports. We have a great show ahead, so let's get to it. Welcome to the Out of Bounds Sports Podcast, the sports podcast where we dive into current and up-to-date sports topics. I'm your host, Corey Harrison. On my show, you will hear from everyday podcasters like myself sharing their personal feelings about the sports news and updates. There won't be any experts, just honest opinions and debates. to the Out of Bounds Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Harrison. Today, I have a special guest, Trevor Lane, and a returning guest, Big Baby Jonathan, of sports, uh, Big Baby Jonathan Sports Podcast. How y'all doing today? Doing well. Thanks so much for, for having us on here, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, Corey. Appreciate it. So, Trevor, I had um, looked at your a couple of your um, videos um, about the NBA restart. Um, I've been kind of, you know, following your page uh, particularly closely, um, and I kind of want to um, speak about that uh, out the gate first, mm-hmm. about a couple uh, different scenarios and formats that uh, you spoke on on your uh, podcast, um, particularly the one about the 16 playoff uh, team format. Um, I just wanted to see if you can, like, go in, like, more detail about it um, and how you, what are your thoughts about um, this 16-player, I mean, 16-team uh, playoff format. Sure. So one of the things that, that's going on right now is the NBA is it, it feels like we're past the point where they've they've made the decision on are we coming back or not? And that answer, fortunately, for, for all of us is is yes. Right. It seems like that's going to be the, the answer is yes, we're coming back. But then what does that look like? And one of the ideas that they're kicking around among several ideas is the idea of seeding the playoffs one through 16. So regardless of conference, doesn't matter, matter whether you're East Coast or West Coast, you're just going to see the top 16 teams and that's it. Um, in the past, there have been a lot of calls to do that because uh, in most recent years, it's been the West has been a lot stronger than the East. And so the goal was to get more playoff worthy teams in like the ninth place team, 10th place team in the Western Conference were much, much better than, say, the sixth seed in the Eastern Conference. And yet they were missing out on the playoffs. And this season, that wouldn't be the case. It's actually eight and eight if you work it out that way. But um, the big thing that's been stopping that from happening in years past has been travel. Like if you get, say, um, right now, the two and 15 matchup would be the Lakers and the Brooklyn Nets. Well, in years past, they would say, well, the travel is just too it's too extensive flying all the way across the country. That's too much. Let's not do that. Let's keep it in conferences. Well, this time around, it's all going to be in Orlando. There is no travel. And so the prevailing thought is, well, if we were ever going to try this thing, now is the time to give it a shot because we don't have to worry about the travel situation. But, but there are a lot of other ideas being kicked around, but that's certainly one of them. Yeah. The, that one, particularly, I was more so interested in, in that one um, just because you are going to get um, the best um, basketball to be able to see uh, which team from both conferences are going to be uh, crowned champion because you're going to have a true champion out of that particular format, I believe. Yeah, exactly. And that's, and that's where moving forward, the NBA could kind of test the waters right now 
and then figure out moving forward. Do, is this something we want to continue? Do, do we just deal with the the travel issue? Because, like you said, you're probably going to get the best team, if not the best two teams, coming out of this. Like, for example, by the 16-team format, you would get the Clippers would actually be on the opposite side mm-hmm. of the bracket than the Lakers. So you could wind up with Lakers versus Clippers for the NBA championship could still be Lakers versus bucks. You would get Lakers versus nets to start out. Then you'd probably get the Rockets and then they'd follow that up with a team like maybe the Toronto Raptors, maybe the Denver nuggets, something like that. So it would look pretty different just in terms of who they played. But other than that, the playoff structure would stay pretty much the same. Although what we've been hearing today now is more and more likely that you're going to have not just the eight Western Conference playoff seeded teams coming in, but you would also have four additional teams joining them all from the West. So you'd have the top eight from the East, cut it off at the Orlando Magic, the eight seed, the top eight from the West, which would cut off at the Memphis Grizzlies. And then because you would have teams like the Portland Trailblazers, Sacramento Kings, San Antonio Spurs, and New Orleans Pelicans, all four of those teams can make an argument for being in in playoff position in, in a spot where they can make a playoff run. Um, the thought is that they're going to find a way to incorporate those teams as well. So I think we're going to see a 20-team playoff grouping this go-round, regardless of what system they, they choose. It looks like we're going to see 20 teams coming back instead of 16. Okay. So, Big Baby, what are your thoughts on that format uh, after Trevor just broke it down like that? I like it, and I want to play. Want to watch my Lakers play basketball again. I don't care how they do it, as long as we win a championship. As you can see behind me, I want another banner, another go up there. Twenty twenty, man, it's been too long. We gotta win the championship for Kobe, man, and I'm all I'm excited because. But I did hear about Adam uh, Wojnarowski saying that they're not gonna expect it to announce a decision yet. And what have you been hearing about that? Have you heard anything about that, Trevor Lynn? Yeah, so it sounds like that's nothing that's going to be like set in stone just yet. It might take a little bit for them to mm-hmm. make anything official official. But what I've been telling everybody is, look, here's here's the thing. If you look at any of the top newsbreakers out there and everybody else there, it, it's all moving in one particular direction, whether you're hearing it from Woj, from Shams, from Chris Haynes, Mark Stein, anybody, Keith Smith, everybody is saying the same thing, and that's that the NBA is moving towards coming back. Now there's a lot of the nitty gritty that they have to fill in a lot of the details they have to figure out. So realistically, when they do that board of governors call, which is going to be coming up on Friday, it's going to be to figure out some of those details rather than officially announce, okay, all systems are go. We're coming back on this date. Right. So that's, I think that's going to be the holdup right now is they have to cross the T's and dot the I's before they can make it official, but it's 99% sure the NBA is coming back. So, um, kind of jumping around a little bit, I did want to uh, uh, ask you about how did you feel uh, once the season was abruptly stopped? You know, once you know, you know, our current climate now, and I kind of understood why. And how did you feel about the NBA's response to it? Oh man, it was it was a gut punch. That's for sure. That's for sure. It was it was an absolute gut punch. Um, and I'll tell you, I'll never forget it. So it will be forever for me. It will be a I remember where I was when moment my family and I went on a vacation. That was my my off week. We were in uh, we were down in Cabo San Lucas, and uh, and we're on vacation. And I'm on the beach, and my phone goes off, and I see the notification saying that the NBA season was being suspended and it it hit me like a ton of bricks. I was, I was worried at at first about being able to get back in the country. And then, you know, just 
for the Lakers, you look at what they've gone through, right? The last six years, everything that's happened from, you know, Kobe tearing his Achilles, Dr. Jerry Buss passing away, uh, Dwight Howard leaving in free agency, and the, you know, Julius Randle breaks his leg in his first game, mm-hmm. then Kobe passing, you know, it's it's been one thing after another after another, six straight seasons of not making the playoffs and all of these things happening. And it felt like finally, here was the breakthrough. The Lakers are the first seed. It, this season felt like Lakers basketball again. So to get walloped the way we did this season with Kobe passing away and now the season getting suspended right after the Lakers beat the Bucks, the Lakers beat the Clippers, you were making a case for them to be the favorite heading into the, the playoffs. Here you go. Rug, rug gets pulled out from under them. But at the same time, the bigger picture, of course, beyond the world of sports is that this is what was necessary. This is what had to happen. And on that level, I'm proud of the NBA for leading the way in pulling the plug before a lot of the other sports leagues did. But nevertheless, as a Lakers fan, it, it certainly hurt. Big baby. Yeah, I totally agree, man. Last six years have been rough, though. Kobe Bryant passing. And if we win the championship, this championship is going to be bittersweet. It's going to be the most, um, one of the best of all time, in my opinion, because what LeBron went through coming here, telling, uh, messing up his uh, hamstring, getting AD, the whole Kobe thing, whole stoppage of play, come back and win the title, that would be put right up there with the greatest team that LeBron been a part of. I know he came back down 3-1, but you got to put it up there all time. Great team of all time if the season comes back and win the title. That's how I feel. Trevor, you echoed um, a lot of the things that I've said um, on previous podcasts to my friends. Um, just, you know, going being a Laker fan for as long as I have, it's just been a lot of things that's been going on um, with this franchise, you know, and – the last championship that we was able to enjoy was in 2010 when we beat mm. uh, the Boston Celtics. And, you know, I thought that we was going to probably uh, beat the Mavericks and and head on and win that championship in 2011. And then after that, we got into the playoffs again in 2013 and covered towards Achilles. And right after, you know, one thing right after another, and then we went through all those, you know, down years. And I thought last year we had some momentum once we signed um, LeBron, then he goes down. Then we have the the whole uh, free agency thing with well, well, the the um, the trade rumors. You know, basically um, the locker room was toxic. Magic steps down before the game. You know, it's just a lot of things that's that's really been going on. It's just been an emotional roller coaster, and I'm still you know kind of in shock about the the tragic passing of Kobe Bryant and his his daughter. You know, just being a fan of, of Lakers basketball, we just, you know, need something, you know, some kind of silver lining. It has to be the restart of this season so that we can at least compete for this championship. And uh, hopefully we can, you know, win that championship and, and it'll be just the whole culmination of all this stuff going on, just the perfect storm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you look at this, so this is something we've discussed a ton on my show. People have been saying, uh, even Shaq, right, has been saying, whoever wins the championship this season is going to have an asterisk by them, right? They are. There's going to be this, well, they won a championship this year, but it wasn't a typical year. And, and somehow that would diminish the value of that championship. I say no way, no chance. Whoever wins the championship this year is going to have to have gone through what's way worse, right? A, a much, much more difficult situation in, in terms of stopping the season part of the way through 
and then rekindling that momentum that you had, right, particularly for, for the Lakers, and then making a playoff run with now no home court advantage. That no longer exists. So if the Lakers come out of this, come out of everything that they've dealt with, and they win an NBA championship, I don't care if other people out there are saying, oh, there needs to be an asterisk. Mm-hmm. I will treasure this championship as much, if not more, than all of the other ones because I think they will have faced even more adversity to get to it. I think certainly, like you said, in a, in a year in which we lost Kobe Bryant, to hoist a championship trophy now I think would feel would feel great for Lakers fans and would be kind of a, a I don't know if I want to say a sigh of relief, but it would be a much-needed victory for the fan base in general. So yeah, I would be, I would be absolutely thrilled and I think it will count just as much, if not more than any other championship they could win. Absolutely. Dave, your thoughts? Yeah, I totally agree. 100% man. Cause this, like we said, season has been crazy ups and downs. And once we win it, it's going to be exciting. LA is going to turn up, you know, downtown LA. Once there might not be a parade, but if they if they even win, they yeah. they do they do it. We we will all celebrate separately, yeah. social distancing and all yeah. that if we need to, whatever it takes. But Lakers fans should absolutely celebrate the heck out of this championship if if and when they win it. Yeah. So once um, we was like full stay stay in place and we was without sports. How mm-hmm. have you been holding up during this whole entire time? As far as like. Um, your podcast and getting content out and things like that. How are you been able to, to uh, cope with the, the, I guess out of the norm that we've normally been accustomed to as far as like your broadcast and things like that. I mean, not going to lie. It's, it's been difficult. It, it certainly has, you know, uh, March 6th, the Lakers took on the Milwaukee Bucks, and that night Lakers nation hosted a watch party and it was planned to be the first of many watch parties. And we had, I was completely humbled by the by the turnout, by the number of people that we come out had come out to watch our show live and to and to do all of that. It was, uh, it was incredible. And then everything fell fell to pieces. And obviously, it's going to be a while before we can do something like that again. So in terms of of our shows and our content and all of that, uh, yeah, we we've had to get a little bit creative. I'm still doing a live show twice a week, Monday nights and Thursday nights at nine o'clock Pacific time across Lakers nation, social media. I get on there with Gary Sheffield jr. And Chris, the masterpiece masters. And we do our, our Lakers nation podcast live. And we, we talk to the fans directly. And so we're trying to kind of, you know, keep that connection for everybody. And, and in a lot of times it, it's not necessarily just, talking about Lakers basketball, but we're talking about life in general and checking in on people and seeing how they're doing. And obviously as things are getting closer and closer to kind of, you know, formalizing this, this comeback, we've had some more basketball to talk about, but uh, we've at least been able to keep that connection with the fan base through, through our live shows. And uh, yeah, you know what though, it, it's not easy. And you look across the sports industry, it's certainly been uh, been a difficult time and we're all looking forward to, you know, getting sports back up and running. That's for sure. Big baby, your thoughts on that? Yeah, I just it's been crazy. What I've been doing, been podcasting with Corey and staying busy, coming up with different ideas for my show. You know, like who's the greatest Laker of all time? Who would you take in a game seven NBA finals? Kobe, LeBron, or Jordan? Just implement different things for my channel and it's been working really well. So for me, um I, I would normally have like these sports talks and debates. Um I work at a gym. And so I would always think that I could possibly come out with a podcast and and do a podcast. And whenever I had to be secluded at home, I said, you know what, I'm going to try to start this podcast and try to, you know, get it off the ground. So I had one show um, 
with a friend, uh, a family member, and we just kind of like discuss uh, basketball, football, and different things like that. So I started, you know, doing more shows and uh, trying to find content, you know, even though we didn't have sports. And it's been really difficult to put together stuff like that because you don't have live sports to talk about. So you're talking about a lot of past events, um, a lot of, um, you know, things that we talk about is kind of repetitive and things like that. So I'm re- really ready to get this season started. So to see how um, this podcast can kind of progress with live sports because we have fresh new content, you know, more frequently than having to revisit old um, history and and talking about you know starting the season back and things like that. So I'm ready, really ready to get this thing started. So um, to see this podcast grow, to see um, other podcasts grow, to listen to more live uh, streams from your podcast because I do follow your your podcast uh, frequently on YouTube. Um, really enjoy your your content. Uh, being a Laker fan, it's just like one of the best Laker uh, podcasts that I've had that I've heard in a while. Well, well, thank you. I, I certainly appreciate that. Um, it's it's certainly been a, a labor labor of love putting together the Lakers Nation podcast. Um, it's been a lot of fun, but uh, but like you said, it's it's going to be a lot more interesting when we have some fresh content to talk about. Um, in fact, I uh, so I realized that we've been doing the Lakers Nation podcast now for going on a little bit over four years. And, uh, and Gary Sheffield Jr. and I were hanging out after our last show. We we're just talking about everything. And I and I had to explain to him like how how really awful it was when we first started. Um, and so I actually went back and played the very first episode for him just so we could kind of listen and and laugh at how much things have changed and how much the show has changed. You know, people look at, look at podcasting and I, you know, you guys know it's um, it's not easy. People think, Oh, it's easy. You just get on and talk about sports. It is way more difficult once you, once you try it. And, uh, but it's also very addicting and it's a lot of fun. And so, uh, so yeah, we've been, been continuing on and, uh, I appreciate you guys watching it. That's, um, thank you very much for doing that. Oh, definitely. I would definitely keep it, you know, a close eye on what you're reporting because, um, I'm a diehard Laker fan. You're talking about Lakers. Of course, I'm going to tune in. (laughs) Go ahead, big baby. You had something. Yeah. Um, just like you said, Trevor Lane, um, first part started this podcast. Even right now, I, I still go back to my first video not good and i learned from that you know like i every time i make a mistake i learn from it and kobe bryant's motivational videos help me just in general through this difficult mm-hmm. time right now you know like my main goals before years over um have dwight howard on my channel and genie bus lakers owner you know i'm gonna work towards that you know that's i know it's a high goal but i know i can get i can get to it well that's good that's good always always set those goals and and chase after them and and keep going and uh you know what it's not easy but uh it's you know you just you keep pushing and eventually start making progress and uh next thing you know you've got uh you've got fans from around the world that are listening and also and it's it's very very cool um i i will say this though it's um whenever the lakers nation staff gets together Mm-hmm. This is this is every single time. I'm not kidding you. The uh, our owner at Lakers Nation will bring up the fact that the very when I first sold them on, hey, let me do a podcast. Let me just go with it. Mm-hmm. I'll handle everything. You don't have to do anything. Here's a sample podcast, and I and I send it over to them. They played that for the entire staff mm-hmm. to listen to and critique, and they still make fun of me for it. And this was four and a half years ago mm-hmm. that we that we did this because it was that. It was that terrible. Um, it, it gets better, but you just you just got to keep grinding at it. Yep, grinding. 
and chip away and learn from the mistakes. That's what I do every time, and it actually helps. So, Trevor, um, you did get into a little bit of your background. Um, I know we're kind of jumping around a little bit, but um, could you tell us how you kind of got into this um, this podcasting thing? And, like, is that um, the only thing that you uh, currently work on right now, um, or do you have other projects that you work on? No. So the way it all began is I, I initially was, was a writer and that was what I did. Um, I way, way back, I had wanted to write novels. And so I would get into some things, get into some story ideas and I loved writing and I still do, but, uh, but anyway, I would get into some things and I can never really finish them. I, I can never see it through. And I realized the problem was that every time I sat down to write, I would write a little bit and then I would get distracted by Lakers rumors. I would be reading Lakers message boards and talking to people about the Lakers online and everything. And then finally I threw my hands up and said, you know, I'm doing the wrong thing here. I need to write what it is that I love. And I had a little bit of a sports writing background from some, th- some topics. I actually used to write about pro wrestling, which now, now Chris, the masterpiece masters is one of my co-hosts. So kind of a, kind of a random thing there, but I, I wrote about pro wrestling and MMA and things like that. And so I finally kind of reignited that because, because I figured I had to write what I love. And I started up my own blog at first just to kind of get my feet wet. Uh, I got hired on by one site, and then from there I was uh, I was picked up by, by Lakers Nation initially to just write one article a week. And that was all I was doing. I was writing one editorial each week. Uh, another person had started up the Lakers Nation podcast, and it, I think they did eight or nine episodes, and then it kind of fell apart, and, and, uh, and that wasn't working out. And so there was a vacancy there, and I just said, I've never done a podcast, but I'm interested in it. Give me a shot. Will you let me go with it? I will handle everything. You don't have to worry about anything, guys. I will run it. Just give me the platform and, and let me do it. And unfortunately, I was able to talk them into it, and I was able to fight through all my struggles early on. And then from there, uh, I made the transition from uh, – so I went from from writing into podcasting. And then I've recently, in the last year or so, well, a little bit more than a year, transitioned from just doing the written word and, and audio into now we're doing video stuff. And I'm – producing 95% of the content that's showing up on the Lakers Nation uh, YouTube channel now. So that's been been great, too. It's kind of evolving in that way, and I'm constantly looking for you know new fields to grow into and everything. But I feel like at this point, I've kind of settled into the podcast and the and the video stuff. And then uh, I'm, you know, I still go back and write editorials every now, every now and then, but it's just, it's been a straight, a steady progression. I saw an opportunity and I, and I went for it. And fortunately it's all kind of worked out up to this point. What um, keeps you uh, motivated, especially during this time? What keeps you, uh, keeps the, um, the, the creative juices flowing, um, especially during this time since we don't have, the live sports and you're not able to be in that full capacity that we, that we normally accustomed to seeing you in what keeps you going. I mean, honestly, there's been certainly times over the last few weeks, even where, you know, my enthusiasm for it has waned and, and, you know, maybe I haven't been as, you know, instead of doing two or three videos a day, I did maybe one and I just wasn't that, you know, wasn't on top of all the breaking news like I normally am or, or whatever. And then I kind of, you know, correct myself and get, and get back into it. And I think what, what always motivates me and what gets me is when I, I remind myself, okay, stop. And you, and you take a step back and I'm, I'm extremely fortunate. I'm extremely lucky to be where I'm at right now. 
with Lakers Nation and to have that kind of a platform and have that size of platform and everything because there's there's so many people out there that would love to get to do this and to be able to do some of the very, very cool things that I've gotten to do in terms of interactions with players and and team personnel and and all that kind of stuff and um, and you know having my work read by by people all over the world and and all of that. Um, so it's just, it's reminding yourself of, you know, just how cool it is to get to do this as a, as a job. And, um, and so, yeah, it's just the, it's that really understanding that big picture, um, even in the, these tough times, I get to talk about the Lakers every day. Like that's, that's pretty amazing in and of itself. And, um, and, you know, I'm very, very fortunate. And I, I try to remind myself often of that. So what would your advice be uh, to up-and-coming podcasts like me and Big Baby? We're trying to, you know, get to where you are. Um, obviously, you know, the things are, you know, we have to start at the ground floor. We're trying to work our way. What is the biggest piece, you know, a piece of advice that you was that you received when you started? And what would you uh, tell us to, to kind of uh, motivate us to, you know, follow our dreams? Uh, it's a, it's just a matter of just continuing the grind, keep working. And, and the biggest thing is just put yourself out there. You know, just it, when you see an opportunity, jump at it and keep going until, until that comes through and you, and you get it. Um, there's a lot of people where the, the barrier is, is themselves, right? I mean, the barrier is, well, I don't really know how to do a podcast. I don't really know how to do how to do video. And frankly, this wasn't a strength of mine for a long, long time. I wasn't the type of person to break through barriers. And I was more the type of go, well, you know, I don't really know how to do that. So I'm just, you know, I'll, I'll go a different direction. Um, I'm not sure why, maybe it's just because it's Lakers or, or whatever, but it's kind of changed my thinking on a lot of things. And so when it was, Hey, I noticed we don't have somebody doing the Lakers Nation podcast. Well, I don't know audio, but I'm going to spend hour after hour after hour, and I'm going to learn, and I'm going to talk to everybody that I need you to figure it out. And then, hey, I'm going to teach myself video editing, and I'm going to figure out how to do that, and I'm going to learn how to present myself on camera and do and do all of those sorts of things. So, um, like I said, the, the biggest thing is just jumping at, at every opportunity you get and understanding that, you know what, it, it might be terrible at first and that's okay and you have to be okay with putting yourself out there and failing and failing and failing because eventually uh you will succeed i'm certainly not at at the pinnacle where where i want to be or anything like that but um you know it's just that constant growth that you that you got to have it's you know i know it's a buzzword that's gone around but you have to have a growth mindset right right big baby did you have anything else for trevor um what is before the year is over? What like what's the number one goal you want to accomplish before twenty twenty is over? Like any celebrities you want on your show? Like what's one celebrity that you want to have on your show before the year is over? Um, in terms of getting guys on on my show and everything, I mean, like like Magic Johnson would be a dream come true because that's the guy that I grew up watching and that was that was my favorite favorite player growing up. Um, but just you know, as far as that goes. My goals have kind of shifted for a long time. It was, I want to get this player on, or I want to get that player on and, and do that sort of thing. And, and that's still, that's still important. It's still so, you know, I, I interviewed Jared Dudley a few weeks ago and I was, you know, I was all fired up about, about that and everything. And that's that kind of stuff still gets you. But now it's, it's more, I'm looking at, I want this quality of video. I want to get my audio quality to this level. I want to be able to reach this many people. Those are, those are more the the goals that I'm looking at. And so I look at, at other shows and what they're producing. And I think, okay, in the next few months, I want to be able to get my show, my production quality. I want to get my editing skills 
up to up to that level. So that's that's what I look at. Um, for one of the things that's really kept me going during this time has been fantasy football, even though it's not football season. You know, like dynasty leagues and all that. Mm-hmm. So um, I've been taking a lot of inspiration from like the fantasy footballers. Um, the fantasy pros podcast, uh, there's a CBS, uh, fantasy football podcast. The, the quality that they put out has been really great. Matthew Barry stuff as well has been great. So even though it's not basketball related, I've been taking kind of the quality of content from there and figuring out what they do that works and what doesn't work. And I've been trying to apply that to my own show. So those have been more my goals based on, you know, the creating the, uh, a high level of quality for, for my production. Absolutely. So I want to segue to one, um, a couple more topics, and then um, we're going to end the show. Um, what do you think about this Lakers-Clippers rivalry? Is it, is oh, it a man. legitimate rivalry? Well, here's the thing, right? So most people, and I put this out on Twitter a bunch and everything, and I say, you know, hey, what do you, anything that comes up with the Lakers-Clippers rivalry, if I use the word rivalry, I get people firing back. It's not a rivalry. The Clippers have never won. You can't say rivalry, blah, blah, blah. Um, I've also put out the poll many times. Would you rather have the Lakers, if you had the option to beat one of these teams, would you rather beat the Clippers or would you rather beat the Celtics? Or who's your most hated team? And the Clippers keep coming in number one. And to me, that tells me that is a rivalry. If the Clippers have suddenly usurped the Celtics and are now the most hated team by Lakers fans, that's a rivalry. It is. The Celtics are the nemesis of the Lakers for decades now. I grew up hating the Celtics. To this day, I do not wear green, right? One of my co-hosts on a show we do, the NBA front office show, Keith Smith, he is a Celtics guy. We were talking today about how I don't wear, I'm a Lakers guy. He's a Celtics guy. It's kind of the the odd couple type thing. Um, Yeah, I don't wear green. But uh, the Clippers rivalry has become a very real thing. And I think it's great. As long as the Clippers don't win, it's going to be, I can tell you if the Clippers win a championship this year or next year or whatever, it'll be certainly frustrating for, for Lakers fans. But as long as the Lakers are able to kind of still come out on top, I think the rivalry is going to be a good thing overall. We haven't seen the Clippers make tons of inroads in terms of stealing away Lakers fans or anything like that. Lakers fandom is very general generational, right? People grew up as Lakers fans. So I, I don't see a big threat there, but they're still kind of that it's that younger sibling mentality that that you're dealing with and it's that little bit of a, of an annoyance but it's also going to drive ratings and so from an nba perspective from a basketball perspective from a lakers fan perspective in terms of motivating them to get out and really support their team i think overall it's a it's a big big positive so i'm excited for it but again it, it's going to be a gut punch if the clippers wind up winning so i'm just i'm just hoping that doesn't happen <laughs> what do you think about the robbery big baby oh uh, clippers lakers the, to me, it's not a rivalry until we have a big battle in the playoffs with them. That's how I look at it. I don't like Boston. Can't I can't stand Boston because they ruined my 2008. You know, mm-hmm. they ruined it, and I don't even watch that. A lot of Celtics fans send me that 2008. I don't even watch it. But I hit them back with the 2010 video, and they don't respond. So, you know, overall, Clippers to me is not a rival until you battle in the playoffs. That's how I look at it. And Clippers who win very two championships they still won't want LA. it's laker nation laker nation will always be laker town regardless of how many championships the clippers get which i don't think they'll get any this year in my opinion so i agree with you trevor because their disrespect this season has been blatant mm-hmm. and the reason why i say that is because let's go back to july when free agency was uh going on and i'm sitting here checking my phone every day 
listening, looking at the reports, reading, you know, every article, all signs pointed to us signing Kawhi Leonard. And I, I remember the morning I woke up, it was a Saturday morning, and I woke up and he was in a Clippers uniform. I just rolled out of my bed. I just could not believe it because we had all the momentum, we all the signs, all the analysts were almost – almost 100% certain that he was going to sign with the Lakers. You know, after um, taking um, Jeannie Buss and um, Rob Polinka on this, this, um, I guess this, this, this ride, because they ended up having to travel to wherever he was at. They didn't meet um, at their uh, training facility. They met somewhere in some kind of remote location in California uh, where they had to travel to him. And, I was all like, okay, that's kind of strange. And then the next morning I wake up, he was the last domino piece. And that kind of messed up everything for us because we could have signed other players. And then we have to kind of scramble to put the team together. Mm-hmm. And it, it almost wrecked us almost, but we kind of came together. And, it, I, and I think Rob Lincoln did a masterful job putting this roster together despite what Kawhi Leonard did to us. Yeah, so here's here's when I when I look back on that night and I get there there's going to be that frustration and there's still that I don't know if I want to call it an urban legend, more of a more of a rumor than anything else that that Kawhi was on purpose stalling the Lakers in order to stop them from signing certain free agents. Like the Lakers, I guess, probably could have got D'Angelo Russell. Now they weren't offering a max contract like the Warriors did, but uh, you know, D'Angelo Russell maybe was, would have been an option. You've got some other pieces they could have gone after, right? And because they couldn't, because they were waiting on Kawhi's decision, those pieces all went elsewhere. Um, but like you said, the Rob Palenka thing was huge. And so my whole thing going in, and I had just, when that news broke, I was packing to go to Las Vegas to go cover Summer League for Lakers Nation. So I was in my studio right here, and I was I was packing up all of my stuff, and I was packing up all my gear. We had just done a live show. Uh, we had just finished it up, and I just got through saying, look, you know, what you want to see is if Kawhi goes somewhere else, and Adrian Wojnarowski was taking a lot of heat because he had continued to say that Kawhi was probably going to go to the Clippers and everybody else was saying it was going to be something else. And so Woj was taking a lot of flack. And as it turns out, he does pick the Clippers. And I was saying, look, if and when the Kawhi decision comes down, expect a flurry of moves from the Lakers if it's not them. If he picks anywhere else, expect the Lakers will have a backup plan in an ideal situation. Right. And sure enough, they did because it wasn't, what was it? It was maybe 30 minutes Mm -hmm. after the Kawhi news broke. Boom, Danny Green. Danny Green went to social media and posted a video of himself saying, I'm a Laker, right? It was one, two, three. We already had Jared Dudley, already had Troy Daniels because those were on minimum deals. It was uh, it was Danny Green, Quinn Cook, and then next thing you know, I get off the plane to land in Las Vegas. I'm maybe 30 yards away from the plane, and my phone goes off, boom, to Marcus Cousins, right? And to me, that was when I went, you know what? This sucks. This isn't great. You know, Kawhi picking the Clippers, that hurts. But look what Rob Palenka did. Mm-hmm. He had a fallback plan, and he executed it. And because of that, he put the Lakers in a position where they can still win a championship. No, it's not as good as having three stars, particularly when, you, when you're talking about Kawhi Leonard, somebody of that caliber. But he had a fallback plan in place, ready to go, and executed it the second he knew. And so I gave him a lot of credit credit in, in that regard and that gave me a lot of confidence in him so to me that was the silver lining for that day right right 
And then my confidence kind of grew for him after Magic kind of drug him in the dirt. And then I started thinking, I started looking at Magic a little bit more differently. I love Matt Johnson. He's, regardless of what he does to us, he's a Laker, regardless. You know, he's all, you know, all-time Laker. But that really hurt what he what he what he did and then um it lost it lost a lot of confidence in a lot of Lakers fans but but Rob pulled it together and I think that he did a masterful job in you know reconstructing this this uh team and you know putting us in position to uh possibly contend with a championship. Um what do you thought what are your thoughts, Big Baby, on that? About overall, um yeah, I totally agree. But Magic Johnson was the one that got LeBron here and then that kind of started like the Anthony Davis thing. So Matt Johnson deserves kind of the credit too with Rob Palenka. That's how I feel. But uh, Trevor Lane, what you think? Yeah, I mean, he certainly de- deserves credit just for bringing that kind of that mm-hmm. air of optimism back to the Lakers. I mean, he took over during a pretty tough time. Um, certainly wasn't a, an easy situation to go into. Uh, I think things didn't work out for a variety of reasons, whether it was a personality conflict or more. You know, Magic Johnson has a lot of other businesses to run. And if you've got Magic that can't be there all the time because he's Mm -hmm. doing other things versus Daryl Morey, who is there nonstop and is a workaholic and and all of these things, uh, that's not a good thing for the Lakers. So in the in the long run, I think it was best that they parted ways with Magic. But like you said, I love Magic. I grew up on Magic Johnson. Mm -hmm. I you know, when Magic came back in 96. I plastered the walls of my room with the newspaper clippings from his return. I was, I was so excited. And when he, when he faked Latrell Sprewell out of his boots uh, in his comeback game, I was, I was thrilled. I was doing laps around my house. So I'm a huge magic Johnson fan, but I think it was ultimately for the best. And, you know, you look at what the team's done without him. All the conversation in the off season was, Oh, they messed up the coaching hire. They didn't do things right with Ty Lue. Uh, you know, who knows what this is. There's a lot of dysfunction there. Who knows what it's going to look like. Is Frank Vogel even going to be the coach by Christmas or is Jason Kidd going to take over two weeks into the season? That's gone. And we haven't heard a peep <laughs> since. And I think that's a testimony to just how well everything has worked out because when you're winning, you don't hear complaints about the front office. You don't hear complaints about the coach. And so that's been, I, I think a big feather in the cap of uh, of a Lakers team that was badly in the need, in need of, uh, of stability. Winning solves everything, and winning solves everything. And um, Frank Vogel's preaching that tough defense, that tough mindset. We've got two assistant coaches, Jason Kidd, Lon Hollins. They brought their toughness, championship experience, and it's rubbing off on the players. And and they do. ESPN is quiet, man. Like every all the social, all the sports people out there that write about the Lakers, like disrespecting, they're quiet. They got nothing to say. And like, once we win this title, they have nothing else to say. You know, I'm just tired of Lakers getting hated on. You know, as a fan. I'm, Done. I'm sick and tired of it. When Magic Johnson was actually hired for that role, I kind of looked at it kind of funny just because Magic didn't strike me as an employee. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. he always struck me as a, a man that, you know, you know, paved his own way, um, you know, kind of did his own thing. And then when he got with the Lakers, he was no longer Magic Johnson. Even though we called him Magic Johnson, man, he was Irvin Johnson. Like, you mm-hmm. know, he was just a regular... You know, employed. You know, he's employed by the Lakers. He, you know, he was. He didn't. He didn't strike me as the the type that would be able to conform like that. And he gave the Lakers two years, I believe. Um, to he said, I think he publicly said that if he wasn't able to uh, make them championship contender, that he was just gonna walk away from it. Mm-hmm. And it was he did it very prematurely. Like I didn't. We didn't expect that at all. I think he just kept rising, and he just a lot of things kept going on, and he just stepped away. 
That was that was so bad. That was so bad when Magic said that because everybody, I'm sure you guys had the same reaction I did. I went, "Oh my god, what is he do?" I wanted I wanted to punch a wall at that point <laughs> because because we had just gone through Jim Buss. Yeah. He did, yeah. He did an artificial deadline on himself and put all the pressure on him and then and he ends up losing his job and then here comes Magic saying, "Well, if I can't be a be a contender in 2 years, he'd say almost the same thing. I'm going to walk away." Oh man! But fortunately, it was about 24 hours later that they landed LeBron James. But yeah, I, I was I was a little bit nervous about Magic in that moment. I'm sure you guys had the same reaction. Definitely. Yeah, I had the same reaction. I was like, why would he do that? We can't just tell Genie behind the scenes or give them a, a heads up. Hey, I'm stepping down. Instead of just I'm done. I'm out. You know, that's not that's not very good on his part. But it's Magic. Laker fans forgive him. I forgive him. You know, it is what it is. You know, I'm moving forward with the Lakers. You know. Yeah, and he's and he's better off now, right? He's better yeah. off being able because now he can be magic again. Mm-hmm. You know, like like uh, like you're saying, you know, he could be he can be Irvin while he's the general manager of the Lakers and and he's running all that, or uh, you know, the president of basketball operations, I should say. Uh, but now he can be magic again. And before he had to be so careful. I mean, remember all the tampering charges and all that. He had to be, be so careful about who he talked about. He doesn't need to worry about any of that anymore. He can just be himself. So I, I think really for him. And for the Lakers, it's it's worked out for the best. And then, like, if you think about it, you know, even, like, for free agencies, like, they can still call Magic Johnson and, like, hey, um, we know we got Magic Johnson. He's here, you know, shaking hands and, you know, just being Magic, that smile, the charisma, you know, just being Magic. Like, you just don't see Magic as, you know, a, a, on a day-to-day operations with a team, and that's all he does. You know that that really hurt him not to be able to give guys um, um, credit or you know say he like a particular player or or give them insight to you know games and things like that like that Ben Simmons situation I thought it was harmless mm-hmm. that Ben reached out to him and he actually you know started talking to him but they he they hit him with a tampering charge on that and I thought that was kind of crazy I think that really like bothered him that he wasn't able to be Magic Johnson. Well, this is, you know, off the top of my head, but I believe that one was was okay. The league did investigate it, but once they clarified that Simmons did indeed reach out to Magic and he was the one that initiated it, I don't think they charged. I'd have to go back and look. I know he got I know one that he got charged with that they actually got fined for, which was ridiculous. I still can't believe it. He got fined for saying Giannis Antetokounmpo is going to win a championship with the Milwaukee Bucks. Oh. That that was tampering. Um, which was which was just unbelievable, and and that's where you could see. Look, it's hard to be magic when saying another person's name is boom tampering charge, right? Got, so and, doesn't work. And the Paul George one on national TV with uh, Jimmy Kimmel. That was um, that actually came about because of Rob Palinka's connections with Paul George's agent, mm, and they found okay. that was it. But that you know the Paul George winking thing on Jimmy mm. Kimmel that um, that that certainly didn't help the situation. But the fine actually came about because of. Uh, of Polinka. Yeah, it's crazy. How much of an impact would live sports be um, as far as like our economy right now? Because uh, right now, our um, you know, of course, our economy is trying to struggle to restart back. So, what would uh, uh, the NBA restart be uh, as far as our economy with no uh, fans available? Um, would it, and like, how would that look? So I think it means a lot, and I, I don't think it's 
you're going to lose the revenue from the fans in the arena. You're going to lose the revenue from the restaurant sales around the arenas. You're going to lose the ticket sales. You're going to lose the concessions. You're going to lose, you know, the little kid buying the foam finger and, and all of that kind of stuff, right? All the merchandise and, and all of that. Um, that's all gone out the window. But in terms of as a country, sports getting back is a big deal. It's a big deal in terms of feeling like you have a return to normalcy. We've seen, you know, some UFC events have been on recently. The German Bundesliga has have started up. And just for me personally, to be able to turn those on has felt more normal. Even I've even watching the Korean baseball league and things like that. Just to have live sports, it gives you a little bit of that that feeling of normalcy that life isn't completely disrupted. And I think in that sense, in terms of bringing that that kind of morale boost to the country, will in turn allow people to feel a little bit more comfortable, a little bit less scared. And perhaps there's an economic component to that, where if people are feeling a little bit better about the situation and the way things are moving, maybe they'll be more inclined to go out and spend money. So maybe there is an economic boost that comes along with it. But I think the biggest thing is just, just making people feel a little bit better and giving them that normalcy of, hey, it's a Tuesday night. I can turn on some Lakers basketball and, and kind of have my evening to decompress from a, from a tough day. It's been months since we've had that. And so I think, I think it's important on a number of levels and uh, I'm certainly looking forward to it. Oh, definitely. And myself as well. What about you, big baby? Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting basketball back and sports and I'm still angry about losing to the Brooklyn Nets by one point. I'm still <laughs> angry about that. We're on the one game losing streak. So I'm still angry as a fan. But overall, I'm just ready for it to come back and we get number 17 time the Celtics, man. I'm looking forward to it. I've, I've repressed that game. I'm pretending that didn't even happen. Yeah. I'm, just, I'm, I'm just living in the, those moments when the Lakers beat the Bucks and the, and the Clippers. And I've, I've watched those games probably 20 times on my DVR in the last couple of months. Yeah. <laughs> Same here. Spencer did really went off on that game, though. Like, I don't know what was going on with him that game. Nuts. Sorry, with who? Spencer Dinwiddie, that game oh, uh, with the yeah. Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, he he went off that game. I don't know what was going on with him. He was on another another planet. He was he was planning out planning out his GoFundMe to figure out where he's going to play next. He said, "I'd I'd better get in a good performance here," but uh, apparently it didn't work so well. Hey, Lakers right, would right. take Spencer Dinwiddie. I would take him as a six man, for sure. Definitely, Absolutely, definitely. he's he's fantastic. Uh, I, he's he's a California product, isn't he? He's from California, isn't he? I don't recall off the top of my head, but I can find that out real quick here. Um, it sounds right, but let's see here. Uh, he played in Colorado. Uh, yeah, from Woodland Hills. I didn't mm. realize he was a, a Woodland Hills guy. Yeah, L.A. Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought he was. It, it would fit for sure. Because I, I you know, I, I didn't know how that that, that was going to work out with um, with them getting Kyrie and Mr. Dinwiddie. It's like he's on the rise, and I I think they just messed up that chemistry with that Brooklyn Nets team, you know, getting KD and getting all them, all them, and that that Brooklyn Nets team was pretty, you know, pretty good without them. Yeah, you know what? I, I think here's what's going to happen, and uh, like like the Brooklyn Nets. So a few years ago, um, I guess more than a few years ago now, when they pushed all the chips in and they mm-hmm. went and got KG and they got Paul Pierce, uh, and they added them to, to Darren Williams and Brooke Lopez, and then they went and they got, what was it, Joe Johnson, mm. right? And they had that really good team. Uh, I think we're going to see that again. I think uh, they put themselves in an interesting position. You've got Kyrie, you've got Kevin Durant, um, and, but then you've got some pieces, right? You've got Spencer Dinwiddie, you've got Karis LeVert, you've got Jared Allen, you've got some young players that teams are going to want. 
I think they're going to go try and add a third piece whenever the offseason is, probably in the fall. We were just talking about that today, and, and we're looking at probably in October free agency. Um, and so they're, they are most likely going to look to go cash in some of those pieces. And maybe, like you're saying, because you already have a point guard in Kyrie who's going to demand the ball in his hands quite a bit, um, maybe Spencer Dinwiddie is one of those pieces that you cash in because he is a valuable player and he is somebody that other teams are going to want. I definitely agree with that because you know I would like like uh, Big Baby was saying I would like for uh, the Lakers to try to make a push for him if, if possible. Um, another thing too, what do you think about um, with all this time that we've uh, been um, having um, the players kind of rest and kind of get themselves together? What do you think about Boogie's chances chances about going back to uh, the Lakers? So Demarcus Cousins, I. I don't think he's coming back this season. There's been some talk about that. Some people have been, I've been getting asked that just about every show we do. Um, what about DeMarcus Cousins? What about bringing him back? Isn't he healed up by now? Uh, I don't foresee that happening. Uh, he'd have to resign because he was waived by the Lakers, which means cutting somebody else. And I, I just don't know that they need him, but I will say this. I think there's a lot of positive momentum for him to stay with the Lakers if he wants to. And I think that's great. Because most likely, with the market being what it's going to be, with the salary cap, at the very best, it'll stay the same. And that's if they artificially freeze the cap at where it's at, which is at $109 million. Um, if they If they do that, there's just not a lot of money out there. And so I'm thinking that DeMarcus Cousins, coming off of all these injury issues that he's had, and, and poor guy, obviously, you know, the, the Achilles and the ACL and the quad and, and all of that, um, the market for him, for him is going to be tough. And so most likely he's going to be signing a minimum deal somewhere. And that's going to be a prove it type contract. Show us you can stay healthy. Maybe get more later on. I think the same way of thinking applies here than when the Lakers signed him last summer. So last summer when the Lakers signed him for 3.5 million, I thought, well, this is great because the risk that he gets hurt and can't play the season, which came true is baked into that price. Right, three point. Demarcus Cousins is worth way more than three point five million if he stays healthy. So it was a worthwhile gamble. He didn't wind up staying healthy, but you still take that chance. My point is, if he's going to sign anywhere, for the minimum, I want him to be with the Lakers because if he can stay healthy, he is going to be way more valuable than a minimum salary, even if he's only seventy percent of the player that he used to be. And so far, the Lakers have done everything right in order to keep him around, even when he got hurt. They kept him in with the team. They kept him as part of the squad. He was one of the guys. They kept him in the loop. And up to my knowledge, to this day, he is still part of the Lakers' uh, infamous group chat text thread that they've got going. He's still part of that, even though he's not really part of the team. So I think there's a pretty decent shot that DeMarcus Cousins does come back next season. Perhaps he gets offers elsewhere where there's more playing time. And if the Lakers decide that JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard are both coming back, maybe it doesn't work out. But it feels like it's a it's a better than 50% chance in my mind that the opportunity will be there for DeMarcus Cousins to be a Laker again next season, which I'm I'm on board with 100 percent I wanted to ask you a question. So how would hypothetically, if he's if he remained healthy, how would he fit in with the, the Lakers um, current roster? So say for instance, like would we get the same we wouldn't even have Dwight Howard if he if he did um, actually um, did remain healthy, so he wouldn't even be in the question. So um, what do you think Boogie's um, impact would be 
with this current Lakers team, would it be the same as we gotten with Dwight, or do you think it would be better? Um, I think it would be worse on the defensive end and better on the offensive end. And maybe that's a little bit of a, a little bit of a cop out. Um, yeah. I think that, that DeMarcus cousins was penciled in to be the starter uh, at center, whereas JaVale McGee was going to be the backup. And then when they went and got Dwight Howard, that was obviously that changed. That's that scenario changed. And Dwight has been tremendous, been one of my favorite stories this season, his resurgent resurgence, his comeback, you know, he's a fan favorite in Los Angeles. Now who would have pictured that? Right. Hmm. But, uh, but as far as cousins goes, uh, the big benefit was always on the offensive end because with cousins, he can do look Dwight has hit a few threes this season. In fact, I think he's technically like the Lakers best three point shooter. I think on three or four attempts right now, his percentage is way up there, but, um, but Dwight isn't going to stretch the floor the way DeMarcus cousins can. He also isn't the passer out of the high post the way cousins would be. So when you get the Lakers lineups where things are a little bit bogged down, um, because you're running Dwight and AD and they're kind of clogging up the paint, you don't have that problem with DeMarcus Cousins out there on the floor spacing it. So you're either going to get, I mean, defenses would have to pick their poison. You're either going to give up an open three to Boogie, who is a competent three-point shooter, or you're going to open up driving lanes for LeBron and space to operate for Anthony Davis. So on the offensive end of the floor, I love it. But that said, Dwight Howard has been tremendous this season, especially on the defensive end. He's been protecting the rim. And who knows if DeMarcus Cousins would provide that. I'd say probably not at the same level as, as Dwight. So, you know, the offense would be a little bit prettier, but I think you'd see a little bit of a drop-off on defense as well. I said um, the beginning of the season, I remember saying it. So I said if Dwight Howard could get us at least, you know, five points, maybe five or ten points a game, you know, a few boards here and there, you know, redirect some shots here and there and, plug, you know, plug that middle, I think that he'll be okay. I don't want him to overcomplicate. You know, you're not the same 20 and 10 guy you was in Orlando when you first came to LA. Uh, you know, I, I just needed him to understand his role, but he is overly achieved. You know, and I think that he is to see all my expectations. I don't know, like, how do y'all feel about that? How, do you think he's actually exceeded expectations? Oh, 100 percent. He has he has beyond blown me away. I was one of the people last offseason when they were kicking the door on or kicking the tires on a lot of these guys. Um, you know, I made an argument for why you might want Joakim Noah over Dwight Howard. And looking back, that seems incredibly foolish. I mean, Dwight Howard has been phenomenal. And here's what it is. It's not just that he's been playing well. It's what he's been doing that has been so impressive to me. Because let me tell you, one of the things that's really difficult for a superstar level player to do is accept that transition into being a role player, right? Vince Carter pulled it off, but look at how hard it was for Carmelo Anthony. How many teams didn't want anything to do with Carmelo Anthony because there was concern about whether or not he could do that. He could handle not being the guy anymore. And Dwight Howard was that guy. We remember from back in 2012, uh, look, Dwight was the guy that, hey, if he's going to compete hard on the defensive end, he's going to demand post touches on offense, even though he's completely inefficient there. He wants the ball in the post and you have to give it to him. He's going to slip every screen. He's not going to make good contact. His technique boxing out isn't going to be great. All of that, right? But you put up with it because he was that superstar. He has turned all of that around this season. He's setting hard screens. He's rolling hard to the basket. He's blocking out and in the paint. He's protecting the rim. He doesn't care about his touches. He doesn't care about his minutes. He's on the bench. He's celebrating for his teammates. Dwight Howard was humbled by what's happened to him, by being cut by the Memphis Grizzlies, by being let go by all of these teams and realized, if I want to stick in this league, 
I have to swallow my pride and I have to do all of the little things that my team needs me to do in order to win. And in doing that, he has been not only incredibly successful personally, but it's helped out the Lakers to a tremendous degree. And, and like I said, you know, I'm, I know I'm getting all gushy about this here, but, but Dwight Howard has been one of my absolute favorite stories this season because he's been able to make that transition. And on a personal level, I'm so, so thrilled to see him do that. Big baby. Yeah, I 100% agree. Do I have playing an amazing high level tenacity defense? Just his energy is different, you know. And I feel like him and Kobe's thing had that beef, and he left and all that. Him going through getting traded, and he understood all that stuff. And now he just he he's playing like he he. I was watching one of his interviews on I think it was NBA TV, I believe. He said he's playing. He plays every day like it's his last game in the NBA. That's why he has the high energy. You know, he's not taking anything for granted. Yeah, you know? that's it. That's, that's it. Exactly. Dwight, Dwight, if you win a ring with the Lakers, it's going to be amazing, man. Absolutely. And can you guys imagine, right? I mean, you brought up Kobe. Unfortunately, Kobe passes away, but but we got that mm-hmm. confirmation, that word from Dwight, that Kobe mm-hmm. had indeed agreed to be in the dunk contest with him. Imagine that. Oh. I, I mean, obviously it hurts so much to, to lose Kobe, but but what a moment that would have been mm-hmm. if Kobe had come out there and, and helped Dwight out in the dunk contest. Um, that would have been incredible. I actually uh, had a chance to... Uh, and speaking of Kobe, uh, Brooke... Oh. But, big baby. Can you hear me? Yeah. No, I was going to say uh, the breaking news that happened earlier today, the uh, NBA uh, pushing back the right. Hall of Fame for next year, 2021. So, can you hear me? I, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, I got you. So, um, I did get a chance to. Okay. Um, I read your your article, the, like the I think the day that Kobe had um, passed away. Um, it, it was a you know very touching, emotional article. Um, could you take me through that time? Like, how did you feel like when you wrote it? Um, and you know how how did you get the news? Yeah, so um, come to think of it, I think that was actually the last full-length editorial that I've written that wasn't meant to be video. I've done a few things that I've written that were video-based that was, you know, as a companion to a video. But, yeah, that's the last full-length editorial. i got to write something new. But, um, <laughs> but you know, I was out in my yard, uh, in my backyard, playing with my daughter, and my phone went off, and it was a, a tweet notification. Um, from uh, from Corey Hansford, who is is one of my colleagues at Lakers Nation, and his tweet said something to the effect of of No, tell me this isn't true. And that was weird. That's not that's not the way Corey speaks, right? And so that was that was odd to me. And so I opened up my phone and I looked at it, and I'm scrolling through Twitter, and I couldn't believe what I what I saw when I finally saw you know TMZ reporting. What had happened, and so I walk inside, and um, and my wife was in there sitting on the couch, and and my daughter was complaining that I was going inside because she wanted to stay out in the backyard and keep playing, and I said no, 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 come in, come in, and I looked at my wife, and she had her phone in front of her, and she said, and I said, are you seeing this? And she said, no, what? And I and I said, I, I think Kobe died, uh, and she just turned white, and she said, you know, I would already turn white, and um, you know, I spent most of that day just in a state of shock. I couldn't believe it. I, I couldn't believe what was happening. I was keeping up on the news, um, watching everything that was that was happening, and just I couldn't even imagine like producing any sort of content. And I got a message from 
uh, the owner of Lakers Nation and said, hey, I know you guys are all struggling. LakersNation.com, we had hardly anything out on it. Like, we didn't have any real coverage. We just had a basic news story. That was it. Uh, Because we were all shocked and we were all struggling with it. And it wasn't something that anybody could kind of muster up the strength to do. Uh, And he messaged me and he said, you know, can you... Can you write something on this? We need we need to get something out there. I, you know, I'm sorry. I know this is a tough time. Um, and I said okay. And so I I went and I sat down on the couch. And uh, my daughter, three year olds, three year old, came and climbed to my lap. And I posted a picture of it in my Instagram. And uh, and uh, I just started writing. And and that's what came out. What you what you read. Um, it took me about 45 minutes to write, which is record time. It all just kind of. Like I snapped out of it and the floodgates opened and it all just came out of me. And um, because, I, you know, I couldn't believe what was happening. I couldn't believe what was going on. And my initial reaction is usually to think big picture. Once I, once I get a moment is to step back and think big picture about what it all means. And so that's what I tried to try to encapsulate was not just, you know, how horrible of a tragedy it is, but of what Kobe Bryant meant to all of us, to, to Lakers fans, what he meant. Uh, to basketball fans around the world, and and more than that, the different lessons that we can take away from the way that he lived his life, and the way he approached things, and the way he constantly pushed himself. And so I tried to encapsulate that in uh, in that article. And uh, yeah, I think it came out okay, but uh, it, it certainly was a, a difficult day, and, uh, and and one that I'll never forget. Yeah, I, when I read it, um, I think you wrote it that same day. I mean, things like I that's when I saw the date on there, I was like. Wow, like I mean, it was, it was pretty uh, remarkable how you was able to um, put all that together that same day with all those emotions, and you could just read every uh, sentence on there that it was just raw emotion, um, and I can definitely feel uh, Kobe's impact in that um, that article. Um, Big baby, did you have a chance to listen to read that? No, I haven't. But uh, my, when I uh, found out Kobe passed, I was helping my mom move to her job and I got an application for TMZ. I was like this, just looking at it, just for like five minutes. And my cousin was like, what are you doing? What, what, why are you standing like that? Like, I'm good. I want to tell you. So you better tell me. I'm good, man. I'm good. As soon as I showed him, he like batted the phone down. I'm like, don't show me that. that ain't real. Watch out. And I showed my uncle, he batted the phone down. And then I'm like, and then once Wojnowski tweeted it, I just dropped the phone and started balling. And I went on Instagram live and started balling. And then I made a video about it for YouTube and, you know, it was very emotional for me. You know, Kobe's Kobe's will be missed, and you know, <laughs> sorry about that. <clears throat> Go ahead, Corey. Yeah, man, this it's 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 still tough um, just to think about it. His his impact. Um, I've been following Lakers ever since that first championship that Kobe had won, um, right after the the lockout <clears throat> season. And it's been it's been tough just trying to cope with the 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 loss and you know trying to look at old Laker footage and and I get frustrated with people still debating sometimes about who's the best and and things like that and it just it's just it's still it's still tough. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's not an easy thing. Um, and here's the thing, right? So. Kobe, when you look at the connection that he had with with Lakers fans, part of that is because of two decades, right? Two decades in L.A. And you think about all the growing that each one of us has done as a person over over two decades. It's a long time. That's a long time to be following somebody's career. And so 
even if even if you haven't met him personally, even if you haven't spoken to him, you still you generate that that connection because you're watching him on a nightly basis. You know, for me, for me, Kobe's three years older than than me, and so I was I grew up I was you know in high school and everything, just amazed that a guy that was just a few years older than I was was now playing on the Lakers. I was just beside myself; I couldn't believe it. And so I watched every single moment of of his career. And, you know, as he's growing in the NBA, I'm going off to college and doing all of these other things. And, and so they were just, you know, you feel like all of those big moments of your life, you look back and Kobe's there. And so on one hand, you almost feel a little bit silly, right? Like as, as sports fans, you're like, gosh, you know, it's just, I didn't know the person personally. He wasn't, it wasn't like a personal friend of mine or anything like that. Just somebody that we watched on TV and everything. But, but then you understand that it, it's more than that, that when you look at, at the connection that you actually had because the time you spent it and all of that, uh, it's okay to still be upset. It's okay to be, to be hurt by something like that. It's okay to have all of all of those feelings. Um, I was, was fortunate enough to get to go to the Memorial at, uh, at Staples center. And I mean, seeing Lakers fans in there, not a dry eye in the house and what he meant to everybody. Um, it's, it's inspiring in a lot of ways and it's still incredibly sad. And, and I think if we can take solace in one thing, it's that, that's never going to go away because two decades doesn't just disappear. And, uh, and so Kobe, even though he's gone, he'll always be a part of Lakers fandom for now through, through the end of time. Right. I mean, this is, he will forever be a part of, of our lives. And through that, he, he keeps living. Thank you, baby. Yeah. Um, I have a Kobe story real quick before we get up on that here. Um, he, he followed me on Twitter. And he messaged me. We messaged each other back, and that was crazy. I remember when he followed me too. It was when the Lakers, when Kobe tore his Achilles, it was playing the Spurs in San Antonio. And then he was like, "I'll follow people. What should we do in the game?" And I said, "Get the ball to Powell. Go to work." And I put the phone down, and I saw enough Kobe Bryant follow you. And I stood up, and I was like, "Let's go, Michael." My brother Michael was like, "What are you doing?" And Kobe just followed me. He was like, "No, he didn't." And I showed him, and then I'm like, "Okay, it's 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 crazy." You know, Kobe Bryant following me on Twitter, man. That's that's amazing, man. You know, I got a chance to talk to him, and it was amazing talking to him in direct message too. It was it, I was shocked when he responded back. Last thing I wanna I wanna say, um, and then we can uh, end the show. Um, mm-hmm. The biggest thing that I hated about uh, the tragic passing, I never did have any kind of interaction with Kobe. I've been following his career all this time. Um, debating different people about how great he was and how much he's influenced me and impacted me. And even though it's probably a long shot that I probably wouldn't, it's just the fact that I won't ever, I know definitively I won't ever get the chance to meet Kobe Bryant, like actually in person. Mm. And that's, that's tough. Yeah, it's, that's a difficult thing, right? To know, to know that, but um, I'll, I'll flip it around to the, the silver lining here. Um, you know, when the first time I was around NBA players, right? There's this this larger than life aura around them, and, and I'll admit my my first time going into interviewing players, like I was a little bit nervous, right? I, I think I went to media day like four or five years ago, and um, and I was a little bit nervous, like, oh, can I just go up to this guy and talk to him and every, everything like that, and um, it, it kind of makes you realize that, hey, you know, if you if you have the opportunity to go talk to somebody, to go to get to interview somebody, take it. 
go do it. Don't, you know, if you're nervous or whatever like that, just you get over it and you go talk to them mm-hmm. because, you know, you never know. And, and you never know the, the connections that you can, uh, that you can create. So, yeah, look, uh, obviously we, we won't get a chance to interview Kobe Bryant, but um, you get a chance with, with some other players and to talk to them and pick their brain and things. You know, one of my favorite, one of my favorite people to interview was actually Tarek Black. Who is oh, wow. tremendous? Had all kinds of great, great. I mean, just a down to earth, humble guy. So, and just so, such a nice, just genuine person. Like, um, it's easy to to forget that these guys are all they're they're human beings and they're people too. And so, you know, obviously we can't interview interview Kobe, but if interviewing players is something that you really want to do, if you ever see an opportunity, take it. Go ask them and, and talk to them. And, and some guys might shoot you down. But you know what? There's a lot that will take the time, and you find out these guys are are just regular people. Definitely, um, Trevor. I was really nervous about reaching out to you because I've always looked at your YouTube uh, broadcast, and it's and I like how the content is, how professional it sounds, and everything. I was like, man, like I'm I'm really biting off more than I can chew by getting Trevor Lane from Lakers Nation on my podcast, and. Um, you know, just by listening to what you say, it gives me a lot more confidence to reach out to more people. Well, well, thanks. I, I appreciate that. And honestly, that's, it's weird for, for me to hear that in a, in a way, because I'm, I, you know, like I said, I, I started the pod, the Lakers nation podcast four years ago or, or so. And I, stumbled over the mic i had all kinds of different audio issues at first i couldn't figure things out in fact here you know i know we were running long here but but you guys want a story here about how awful and how nervous and how horrible i was the i believe it was the seventh episode that i did Mm. of the lakers nation podcast i was on cloud nine because i messaged john ireland Mm. and i got john ireland to come on the show and John Ireland, where he was and where I was, there was going to be a little bit of a time difference. And he said, you know, hey, I can do the show, but I've got to do my radio show from this time to this time. And, you know, can you, you know, can you make this work? I said, absolutely. No problem. And so I, I forgot about the time difference. I was, I was so, I'm going to ask him this question and this question and this question, and I'm going to promote it. And this is going to be great. And everybody's going to love it. And I was so wrapped up in that part. And so nervous about making sure that I did everything perfect, that I recorded things just right, and that I made sure the quality was great, and all of those things, that I called him in the middle of his show. Mm. It, while he's on the air, I call I'm blowing up John Ireland's phone while he's in the middle of his radio show, and he texts me back, Trevor, I'm still doing my show. Remember I told you this? I, I was mortified i couldn't believe it i'm that i had messed up the math on on my on the time difference between myself and and john ireland at that moment and i was so embarrassed and i and you know i I always remind myself of uh, of that like that's that's me like that's not i you know i i've obviously done done well here and i've i've enjoyed doing what i've been doing for for lakers nation but like i said i I'm extremely fortunate to be be where I'm at, and so if there's any advice I can give you guys, it's just it's just keep going, man. Keep grinding. Baby, you have any final thoughts? Um, appreciate you coming on, man, and thanks for the words of encouragement, man. And my like my favorite rapper always says, "Nipsey so R.I.P." Marathon continues. That's right, so Trevor. 
could you uh like uh tell everyone how they can follow uh Lakers Nation and how they can uh you know listen to more of your broadcast? Yeah, sure. So you can you can follow me on uh, on Twitter at Trevor underscore Lane. You can find me on Instagram at Trevor Lane NBA. Um, I am doing, like I said earlier, most of the content on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. So you can find all of my breakdowns and stuff there. Um, I'm doing a, a couple of different shows. I do the NBA front office show with Keith Smith, where we focus on the league as a whole. And we do that uh, weekly. We recorded one of those today. And then I also do the, the Lakers nation podcast live, which we do right now, twice a week. Typically we do it post game, um, during the their season, but right now we're doing it Monday night at nine o'clock Eastern time or sorry, Pacific time and, uh, and Thursday night at nine o'clock Pacific time as well. And you can find that on YouTube on, uh, on the Lakers nation accounts, uh, YouTube, Facebook and, uh, and Periscope. And then you can also find my work over at LakersNation.com. I actually had a chance to listen to that one today. Actually, it was a really good show. Oh, thank you, thank you. I, I appreciate that, Keith. Keith is awesome. I just I throw questions at him and just and just let him go because he knows all the cat minutia and he is he is in the zone right now, man. Because he right. he spent twenty years working for Disney and with the NBA going to Disney, it's like his two worlds have collided, and so and so he's in heaven because he knows everything about the NBA and he knows everything about Disney right now. So he's uh, he's having a good time with this. He's definitely very knowledgeable about basketball. I didn't have no idea. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a great guy. So thank you again, Trevor. Um, I, I do want to end the show on that note. If you don't have anything else, Big Baby. No, just want to say thank you for coming on, and it's always a pleasure, man. Hey, no problem, guys, and, and thank you for having me. I definitely have to get you back on again uh, once the season gets started again. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, yeah, let me know. We'll uh, We'll carve out some time. No problem. Thank you again. If you love the Out of Bounds Sports Podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes. Until next time.